0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned to after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We're back. This is the survey of the scriptures. We are in Shemot, Exodus, chapter 28. And as I remember, we left off at about verse 30. So I'm going to pick up in 31 if that's okay. Um, we were talking about the ephod and the breastplate. You guys remember that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And you shall make the robe of the ephod all of tehelep. Somebody tell me what techelet is. That's
1: right.
0: Sky
1: blue. Sky blue. Sky blue.
0: All right. And it shall have a hole for the head in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the whole of it, as it were the whole of a coat of mail, So it will not tear, and upon the skirts of it, you shall make pomegranates of tchelet. So, what color are the pomegranates?
2: Blue,
0: sky blue, sky blue. And of argaman, what is argaman?
2: Royal purple.
0: Purple, royal purple. And tolaat shani, what is that?
1: Scarlet. Scarlet. Scarlet.
0: Uh, round about the skirts thereof so the pomegranates are multicolored, hanging around the the hem of the priest's robe and bells of gold between them round about a golden bell and a pomegranate a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the skirts of the robe round about and it shall be upon aharon to minister What's and that? the sound thereof shall be heard when he goes into hakodesh before Yahweh, and when he comes out that he dies not and you shall make a crown of pure gold and it, let's let's stop right there so we've now we have everything that the priest is wearing bodily right mhm all right my phone is ringing let me see if it's anybody Nope. all right um so we have the complete garments bodily garments of the kohen gadol all right so he's dressed in primarily blue he's got the robe on he's got the the uh Ephod. He's got the breastplate, and he's got the shoulder stones holding up the breastplate. On the stones of the breastplate, he's got the names of the twelve tribes written in. on. One shoulder stone, he's got six names, and on the other, he's got six names. We did cover those, right?
1: Yeah, the
0: right. These were made of onyx, and the twelve were all of other different colors. We're going to look at them here in a second. Um, and now we've we've discovered the robe, and the pomegranates and belts. And I'm sure I've told some of you have heard me tell about having seen that robe. Does anybody remember that? A little
1: bit with the, uh, yeah, a little
0: bit. Yeah. So it's been probably since about 2006, 2000, yeah, about 2006, probably, when. Uh, Joseph Good brought a guy, a rabbi named Chaim Richman from Israel, who was part of the Temple Institute, by the way, and at the time, he was, he was the head of it, and uh, so he had the authority to bring the robe of the high priest to Texas. He brought it to Houston, yeah. and uh, he displayed it, and we were able to get close to it. We couldn't touch it, but we were able to get close to it and see the robe.
2: Was that from the Temple Institute? Where did he get
0: it? He was part of the Temple Institute. It
2: was from the Temple Institute. That's what I was. I missed yeah.
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. He he was one of the head guys of it. At one time he was the chief rabbi of a newly formed Sanhedrin uh, that had formed in Israel. I don't know if they're still <laughs> if they still call themselves formed or what. I don't know that I know they're not functioning as a Sanhedrin should because they don't have the temple, they don't rule Israel, right? Um, But they're just getting ready. Um, And so I don't know how their offices change and why his role changes periodically. But uh, back in about 2008, uh, Ari Abramowitz, have you guys heard of him? No. A guy named, guy named Ari Abramowitz was very young at the time. This was 2008. He was early 30s, maybe. Um, maybe not even that. Uh, was in from Israel. He grew up here in Houston. He made Aliyah. He was uh, <coughs> Orthodox. And he visited Conroe. And I went and had tea with him in Conroe. Um, in a little tea room up in Conroe. I can't even remember where it is. It's been so long ago. But I was standing there talking to him, and we were talking about, he was teaching on just little Hebrew things for a little group up there. And uh, I, I stood there and talked with him afterwards. And he's not a believer in Yeshua, um, but he's a really nice guy. But he's, he's rabbinic, thoroughly rabbinic, very orthodox. Um, but I asked him, I said, do you know Rabbi Richmond? And he said, Chaim Richmond, and I said, yeah. He said, he's my rabbi. And he reached into his pocket and pulled out an email that he had printed that morning. And it was from Rabbi Richmond to him. And it, it was just a short little note that, and I think he was probably CC'd on it, but I'm not 100% sure of that. But it was a, it was a short little note saying, Keter David is, is done, it's ready. Um, and that's what we're we're about to read about the Keter of the, of the Kohen Gadol, but this was the crown of the next Messiah king <laughs> that's going to rule in Israel. Mm. All right. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because these things that we're reading about have all been made again. All right. Um, and I've seen the robe. I'm not. This is not something I'm making up, you know. I've seen it with my eyes, all right. Uh, I, I got inches away from it, as close as he would permit me. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and it's beautiful. Uh, so it, it, to me, it's unique among religious garb. Um, and let me show it to you. So here is a picture from the Temple Institute of what it looks like.
2: Daniel, do you know that Lagal has a replica of that at her place?
0: I did not know that, Of, of the robe.
2: She has the temple furnishings and she has the entire priestly garments. She found someone who had them and she has a stand and they are on display at her place
0: okay well i for some reason i didn't see them when i was there but you know we were busy she might not, she might not have. yeah okay so so this is what the robe looks like this is all of the priestly garb for the cohen gadol and for the priest you can see these guys do you see them down in the temple in the in the my background mm-hmm. you see how they're all wearing a red belt mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yes
0: all right i talked about that in the drosh when we went through exodus this year i don't know if y'all remember that that red belt it's beautiful um the kohen gadol so you can see he has an ephod over an ephod here it seemed better in this picture on the left right um now, they made a metal plate during the time of Solomon for the for the stones to go in. This one is uh, yeah. material. And you can see that both of these, by the way, both of these diagrams are from the Temple Institute website. So mm-hmm. you can see variation in the artist's rendering of them. Mm-hmm. All right? What I like about the one on the left is the, is the keter, the crown, is more <coughs> accurate. Okay. As to what it looks like. But what you can see on the right hand version of it is Koresh Layaba, which is what we're about to read about. And y'all know what that means.
4: Right.
0: You can see the writing on it. Okay. Um, but this Kohen Gadol, he's wearing color
4: mm-hmm.
0: over his white. And the regular priests are wearing just white with a colorful belt. Okay. And both of them wear a turban. You can see that in the left, it kind of looks more like the guy on the on the left in, in the right-hand picture, whereas mm-hmm. this one looks more like a uh, sort of almost a, a Sikhs turban. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: which one is more
0: accurate? I don't know. In my opinion, probably this one was more accurate. Um, this one here on the left seems to me to be the more accurate of the two but the reason i pulled up the one on the right is because i wanted you to see more closely the regular priests garments okay so and that so, little
1: that that mosaic thing that he has on on the right that's just something that the artist just put on there uh,
0: there is it seems like there is biblical room for this i just don't know if we've read it yet Okay. Um, but we'll dig in and see. We haven't read about anything like that so far, correct?
4: Right, right.
0: What we did last week, I don't remember, I don't remember covering anything like that. It would be called an apron, all
4: right?
5: Mm. Um, However, the bottom of the guy's robe on to the right looks like it's more accurate to what we just read as far as the bells and the pomegranates and whatnot.
0: You'd be surprised. The one that I saw looks more like this.
5: Really?
1: Not to the yeah. feet. It's not all the way down. It's like a mini. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Over on the right, the pomegranate here is more blue, whereas we just read that they're supposed to be blue, scarlet, and purple. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get more of this color. This is the blue, scarlet, and purple in the under ethid. You see that?
5: I yeah. agree with that. But what I'm saying is, I don't see, maybe just on this image, I don't see the. It's just the because pearls.
0: this one is blurred. This image is blurred because I had to grow it. Um, it's there, it's just not crisp enough. You know what I mean? These are yeah. more separated.
1: Got
5: gotcha. you, right. yeah.
0: So so like I said, I think the one on the left is more accurate. So I'm gonna cover up, I'm gonna do that.
1: Yeah, make it oh, a little okay. bigger. Make, you All can right. make it bigger. We, we, we're good when it's being bigger.
0: So that to me is a better picture of what we're talking about
1: now with the um with the shoulder with the shoulder um with well six stones on it for some reason I saw it going out this way but it's going this way on the 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 uh, holder of the ephod. these things yeah where the stones are I yeah. mean the, um, on each shoulder with uh the six stones for each tribe.
0: No, it's not six stones, it's just two stones, one on each shoulder. Well,
1: two, two, one on each shoulder, but it had the names or something. What, what was that? The name? Yeah,
0: well, it, it, hang on. You've got 12 stones here, each with a name on it, on the ephod. You've got one black onyx stone on this shoulder and one black onyx stone on this shoulder that you're just not able to see. And this one has six names on it, and this one has six names on it. That's reminiscent of Mount Ebal.
1: Okay, right. Uh,
0: And Mount, uh, what's the other one?
3: Gerizim.
0: Gerizim. The two mountains that are like this. Mm -hmm. The faces of the mountains are like this, and they speak to each other. Right. Six six tribes on the one side, six on the other. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, So... But yeah, the the stones that bear the name, there's one on each shoulder
6: Okay,
0: with six names on each stone. Joe, what you got?
5: You may have kind of answered this, but when we read in the heat Galut where Yeshua comes back wearing the, the, I guess the ephod or whatever, he's got the the stones, when there's one name that no one knows but him, or is this a picture of what we're looking at? Is it the same kind of an image that they're trying to paint there?
0: I think it is similar, yes. He, it says he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. A name. King of kings and master of masters.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so it's hard to say where what exactly that's talking about. You've got to remember the, the, the oldest copy of Revelation that we have is not in Aramaic. It's in Greek. So we're at the mercy of Greek translators there.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Um, the way that, the way that the word vesture is used there is it's almost similar to a talit because it says he it's cast about him. And that's how we put on a talit. We just wrap ourselves in it. We cast it about us. So right. this is more put on, you know what I'm saying?
5: Yes, sir.
0: So it's kind of hard to say what Yeshua's garb is going to look like, but is he not our high priest? Yes. Amen. And certainly he wears a crown. Yep. Yeah. And he is holy unto Yah, right? Yes. Um, so the stones here are more about him bearing our names upon him, you know, bearing our burdens, carrying our judgment. Those things, in my mind, are more symbolic. The robe here itself is probably what had his name written on it, you know, King Melech Melachim Adon ha Adonim um maybe even on this part of it is where it's written it's hard to say um what i do know emphatically is he is our high priest and he is clothed uh his vesture which would be the the here is dipped in blood when he comes back and that's symbolic language as well um and possibly even literal you know because of the war that's happening when he puts his foot down.
5: Yeah. That's what made me think about it because we're looking at a picture of the earthly high priest, but him being the high priest and kind of seeing the picture yeah. brought that verse in mind. I'm like, Hmm, is this maybe what we're looking at? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Now I don't, uh, will he need the pomegranates and bells? I don't know. Um, I don't think so because he's not going to die. If he goes into the Holy of Holies, right? <laughs> He's holy. Uh, so there will be a change in the temple during the millennium.
1: A change? And
0: what, Tracy?
1: As you said, a change?
0: Yes, there will be a change. There's, there's, there's not going to be a need for him to make atonement every time he goes in and out of the Holy of Holies. Right? Right. So... The priesthood is in effect, his priesthood is in effect on earth. And so that's what a lot of people don't understand is the, the false messiah is going to have the wrong guy. You know, um, the, the, the guy that, let me say it this way. The guy that wears this robe next is not going to be a believer in Yeshua until three and a half years in. All right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so prophetically, what I believe about all of this is I think the temple will be built from Yom Teruah to Passover. I think when when let's let's just have some fun and and say that Yeshua is coming back on September twenty-seventh of this year.
3: All
0: right. Let's say he did. If it happens the way I see it happening the shofar blasts very few people will leave the earth those who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Yeshua faithful people in Messiah will leave the earth it's a small tiny number barely noticeable it'll get a nod on the news but not much it'll be a, it'll be a fascination on TikTok but not much um, and immediately Mashiach Heshekir will emerge and save the world and convince Israel that he's the Messiah. And make a contract between the Jews and the Arabs, settle the Temple Mount issue and build a temple. And it'll only take six months to do. He comes to power in one hour. Scripture is very clear on that. The whole world gets behind him. Scripture is very clear on that. He makes a contract between the Jewish people and the Islamic people to settle the the peace issue. And that whole peace issue over there is not about Palestinians having a place to live. It's about Jews not being on the Temple Mount, all right? So the Temple Mount issue will be resolved. The Dome of the Rock will probably be destroyed by an earthquake, uh, again, because it's been destroyed once by an earthquake. Um, And he'll build the temple. Take six months to do. He'll dedicate it on Passover when it's supposed to be biblically dedicated. And the high priest of Israel will stand there in this garb and minister with sacrifices for three and a half years, and they won't be forgiven. They won't get their miracles like they did. Why?
6: Because it's all false. Because they're not trusting in Yeshua.
0: Exactly. Three and a half years in, after three and a half years of the two witnesses powerfully testifying about Yeshua and being, you know, in the, the real people, the, the, those who do believe, who come to, who, re, who wake up, you know, um, and become saved, will be persecuted. And after three and a half years, those two witnesses will die in Jerusalem, be raised from the dead, and go to heaven in front of God and everybody. The whole world will see them. Their rapture, They're not Saul. Right. And probably all of the souls under the altar at that point will be redeemed and wrap, uh, resurrected. Um, and then the last war starts. And then that high priest will, will, will belong to Yeshua, but he's not the high priest anymore. I'll probably take his robes off because he'll be a believer in Yeshua. Are you with me? Yeah. Some of that is speculation. Some of it, I believe, is almost absolute. You know, I've looked at this for 35 years and examined that timeline. I can't see it any other way. So that's what is prophetic about this clothing is it's, it's, telling, us, it's telling us, yes, part of Yeshua's ministry and certainly uh, the ministry of him bearing the names of Israel. Our names are upon him. Um, he says there's one verse in the prophets where it says, I've inscribed your name in the palm of my hand.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember that one? Oh Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's very, it's exciting to me to study these things, uh, these vestments and stuff. What you got, Joe? So
5: you said something I want to see where you're, why you get this idea, just because they can't finish a five, six mile stretch of freeway in six years, but you're saying for some reason, they're going to build this whole temple from scratch in six months. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. They're already preparing for it. They've already they
1: got everything. It.
0: They've already got every stone wow. planned and all they they're cutting it with lasers or high powered water cut fissure or something. They they are they are ready to go.
4: Wow.
0: Um, that all of this stuff, the point that I'm making about it is all of this stuff that we're reading about has been remade by the Jewish people in the last 50 years. They have Studied everything out. The Temple Institute is in charge of it. Shelley and I and Tracy, we stood in the Temple Institute and saw the table of the showbread, the altar, uh, the the candlesticks, the 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 vessels, the vases, the, you know, the pitchers and all. That. We saw it all. It's all there. So they've,
5: so they've already got the furnishings. They just need the building.
0: They, they need all them. they need is the building. They already have the robes. Mm-hmm. Got gotcha. you. I told you about the high priest robe. Well. Yep. It's been about 15 years ago. They started fitting Kohenine. They started, mm-hmm. they put out a clarion call to the whole world and said, if you are a Kohen, come to Israel to be measured for your robe and to begin to train. Uh, right. They so, also
1: something about the red heifer, too, right? Oh uh-huh. yeah.
0: They, they, Joseph Joseph Good has helped breeders know the specifications and examine red heifers, and they've successfully bred them repeatedly and they're constantly trying to keep one available just in case the temple is is built um so the the only thing standing in the way right now is the dome of the rock that's it and in the messianic community there's all this garbage junk out there about the location of the temple being in the city of david or being over in samaria or not not being on the temple Mount. i
5: heard that
0: which doesn't um, even make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, and uh, you know, too much archaeological stuff has proven its location. And I personally believe that it sits right there, that the Holy of Holies is under the Dome of the Rock. I believe that God had the, Mus- the Muslim people build that in order to keep the Jewish people from building it at the wrong time. Mm. All right. Yeah. So it's going to be built there. And it's, you know, there are messianic people out there saying that there's going to be no temple service, you know, that that's all the, the third temple is, is it comes down out of heaven. They don't mm-hmm. understand the scriptures.
1: Nope. They don't understand the
0: it. Okay. So this is why the Jewish people are the, the, the time piece of prophecy. You know, uh, we watched them. They're starting to come to Messiah, but they're not going to come. You know, these people that are saying the Jews are going to all come to Jesus before he comes back, don't understand the scriptures. No. They're all going to come to Yeshua, but it's going to be halfway through the tribulation. The, the, the tribulation is, is known in the Bible as the time of Jacob's trouble. Right. Jacob yes. has to get spanked in mm-hmm. order to, uh, to come to Yeshua. And that spanking is the first three and a half years of the tribulation. And then they turn, they all turn, all of Israel, mark my words, all of Israel will be saved. What you got, Tracy?
1: So question, I'm I'm sorry to go back, but you mentioned the millennial, that things would change in the temple Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't have to make that atonement. But now, am I to understand that there are going to be actual physical human beings that aren't in resurrected bodies? Wouldn't they need atonement for? How does that work? They would,
0: but Yeshua wouldn't.
1: So, but he wouldn't go in as a high priest no more. How how would they get their atonement?
0: They would get it. How do we get our atonement?
1: Through Yeshua.
0: Why would theirs be any different?
1: I don't no, okay. we get it
0: right now, and we're in unresurrected bodies.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We get it right now, and we're in unresurrected bodies.
1: Gotcha. So right. so right so that. So that has changed already, even, even though they were doing it after Yeshua had risen, but it wasn't.
0: It wasn't, wasn't. acknowledged by God.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so it's changed really already, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the reason I said it will be, there will be a change is because when the Jewish people start temple worship again, mm-hmm. they're going to do it like it was in the old days. And they're, they're hoping for atonement by those sacrifices. And the high priest is only going into the Holy of Holies once a year. The point that I was making is Yeshua doesn't need that permission or that atonement for himself. That's the point that I was making. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. They were making blood sacrifices and so were Messianic Jews in, in the second temple, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Paul made sacrifices in the temple. Right. Right. But it wasn't for atonement.
4: Gotcha.
0: It was to fulfill righteousness and to do what God said to do um our high priest will be here at that time he's going to tell us what we're going to do (laughs) i'm just saying it's going to be different okay all right so um that's the point of studying these in a little more depth i think any questions or thoughts before we move on all right the sound thereof shall be heard when he goes in Unto Hakodesh, the the holy, the set-apart place, the holy place before Yahweh. And when he comes out, that he dies not. And you shall make a crown of pure gold and engrave upon it, like the engravings of a signet, kodesh unto Yahweh. Kodesh la Yahweh. And you shall put it on a thread of Techelet, and it shall be upon the mitre. Upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. So that's that crown that we just looked at. Mm -hmm. On the front of the mitre. That mitre is that headpiece that he wears, and it's got a crown wrapped around it and tied in the back. And it shall be upon our own's forehead, and, and our own shall bear the iniquity committed in the Kadosh things which B'nai israel shall hallow, even in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before Yah. And you shall weave the tunic in checkerwork of fine linen. And you shall make a miter of fine linen, and you shall make a girdle, the work of the weaver in colors. This might be that colorful apron that we saw.
1: Oh, Are you with me? Yeah.
0: And for Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics. Make them for girdles and head turbans, for splendor and glory. Put upon Aaron your brother and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and confirm them, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the Cohen's office. So let's go look at that for a second.
1: So that's what the uh, Proverbs 31 woman is selling to the merchants. She sells girdles to the merchants.
0: Yeah, we'd have to look at the word to make double sure, but I think so. 41. otam, you shall dress them, Aaron and his brothers and the sons with him. U mashachta otam, you shall anoint them. Mashachta otam. Sounds like what? Mashiach.
4: Yeah. Mashiach.
0: U mileta et yadam, the kidashta otam, the hihanuli. They shall priest to me. <laughs> so the priesthood, the koh, koh, the, the koanim are ministers, servers, intervention, you know, interveners before Yah. All right? Everybody got that? But what mm-hmm. I want you yes. to see is they are performing a messianic duty. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. And so if, if Yeshua is our Kohen Gadol, and we are ministers in his kingdom, and we are Mashiachim, anointed ones,
6: then don't we do the same thing?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. And that is why. Kingdom of priests. That is why this picture is always here, is because this is a picture of what we do right now. Spiritually, mm-hmm. and that's my desire is to get more people to understand that we do this already. That's why we do the customs that we do. Outsiders look at us and think we're strange and weird and Jewish, and you know they. I've had them ridicule me. I've had Christians and and other Messianics really ridicule me and us for how sort of reverent we are and i hate to use the word but ritualistic but it is ritual right Mm, right but they don't realize that paul said keep the rituals that i gave you right imitate me as i imitate messiah and keep the rituals the jewish rituals that i gave you okay so um so this is why we do it is because we are this that they are doing, these guys who you see in this clothing, and you can see them assembled by the door with the trumpets. You see that hmm. in the picture, bottom hmm. right? You see, them, you see them by the door in the tr- with the trumpets. Yeah. You see them on the altar, walking up and down the altar, over here washing. Over here is where the animals are being slaughtered. Do you guys see my cursor moving around? Yes. Okay. This is where the animals are being slaughtered and brought up to be cooked so they can eat them. All right. You see guys walking up the steps, the 15 steps here to go into the sanctuary. We do this every day. When you start the daily prayers, you know, I've told y'all a hundred times, this light right here is symbolic of starting the daily prayers. Do you see the reflection of the sun bouncing off of it?
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Just rising over this east gate over here. And as soon as it hit that disc, they knew that it was time to start the prayers. That's why the trumpets are up. Hmm. Do you see that?
1: Yeah. Yes. And
0: they're singing these prayers. That's why we sing certain prayers in the sanctuary. And I'm going to start learning more of them and teaching them to you guys.
2: Yes. Okay. And so
0: people who don't, it, when people read about, I had a buddy that used to say, our, our heavenly, let me see, how did he put it? Our eternal heavenly job is to worship God, you know? And they don't want to stand there and worship like we worship. When, when you read in the Revelation, this is what you're seeing mm-hmm. right here.
4: Oh, yeah. That's right.
0: You're seeing this altar, which is the fire. You're seeing the sea, which is represented by this over here, the crystal sea around the throne. You remember that mm-hmm. in Revelation? That's this guy. You're seeing the menorah, oh. which, which is back here in the back in the Holy of Holies. You're seeing God's throne, which is back there in the Holy of Holies.
1: Altar of incense,
0: the altar of incense. We're doing all of this, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and we should, we who belong to him, are supposed to be doing this every day. And so, we're supposed to be dressed like this guy, which is garments of righteousness, which is our behavior.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: All right. And, um, so you know, we were talking before we started about things we're praying for, and one of the things I'm praying for and trying to teach and get across to people is, um, our righteous behavior is supposed to emulate israel you know yeah and you know it doesn't that doesn't mean that it has to be in hebrew if there's if there's a messianic congregation out there that doesn't have anyone that speaks hebrew that's not the point right the point is is that they is that they worship they train people to worship god on a daily basis and so when we come together and do those prayers. That's what was done in the times of the temple. David set it up. That's messianic. Is not David the messianic king? Yeah. Yep. One to whom the line was promised.
3: <laughs> That's right.
0: Right? So yep. he set up the worship. He's, he's the one who architected the building and set up the worship and had it all prepared for Solomon. He just handed it over to Solomon and said, here, do this before you die. <coughs> and he was able to pull it off because dad had already planned it all. Okay? To the T. All right, questions? I might be getting a little too excited, but I can't. This
2: is good stuff. Can I go off on a little rabbit trail here? Sure. If you don't reach, I won't, because this is just like kind of off the deep end here. But anyway, I was thinking and reading about the four, the, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle.
4: Yeah.
2: Okay, so they're in revelations and they represent the tribes worshiping right yep where did Israel how did Israel come to arrive at those banners and the symbols for their tribes
0: they wrote it down probably about a thousand years ago but it was handed down orally and all of their handed down stuff
2: no i mean originally because it was the tribes in the desert that had the, the banners am i correct
0: yes it, you it, are
2: so
6: i wondered when, that
2: that time where, how did they establish those symbols for themselves
0: well originally they were given to the 12 sons at jacob's blessing
2: so they came from the blessing
0: mm. they came from the blessing
2: from Jacob's blessings
0: yeah so the tribe of (laughs) Judah is the lion tribe the tribe of Reuben is the man tribe the tribe of Ephraim or Reuben yeah Ephraim is the calf tribe and the tribe of of Dan is the eagle The, the problem is Dan's was originally a serpent but when they made the banners for the camps they made Dan's an eagle and I believe that was apropos because Dan is no longer part of the camp of Israel but the camp of Dan is are you with me because there's two other tribes in that camp yeah and, right. the serpent, and the serpent is taken out of the way and that's why i believe that the, that the mess that the false messiah will probably be of the tribe of dan he'll be jewish but he'll be of the tribe of dan
4: mm.
0: that's my belief i can't prove it but i have a strong suspicion of it because of what what jacob said to dan and what mm-hmm. dan did and what it says that Dan will do, he will he will be an adder in the path and a serpent in the way, biting his brother's heels. Well, That's the mm. false messiah. And I've told you, I believe that the false messiah will come from Turkey. Have I not? Yeah. Well, Turkey is ancient Greece. And I think I've told y'all this before, but Shelly started the rabbit trail, not me. um the spartans the ancient spartans of 300 fame wrote a letter to israel the priests of israel back in the i think about the first century and said hey we're your brother dan and israel wrote back and said yeah we know how y'all doing and that's all it was Mm. And so I think there will be somebody descended from that area that will be Mashiach Hesheker. Um That's interesting.
2: I thought I had that uh, graphic and if it's not too much trouble if you could send me that. I have searched every book I have. And I, can't
0: I, I, was, I was just looking
6: I was just looking for it in my files.
0: I never.
2: I, I know I had it, and I've looked in every book. That's why I got off.
0: I can never remember where I kept it.
2: Well, that's my problem, too. I've looked through all my pictures, I've looked through all my books, all my papers.
0: <laughs> so you're saying that exchange was
5: documented between the Spartans and Israel? Yeah, Josephus documented it. Wow. Okay, cool. Wow. Huh.
2: So, say again, Dan was the serpent. But he left well, the, the
0: tribe. Yes, yes. In, the book of, in the book of Revelation, he's not in the census. Right. And it was predicted that he would be cast out, sort of. And so Dan and Ephraim were the two tribes where false temples were built in northern Israel. And Dan and Ephraim are the two tribes you do not see in the census.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So where
0: do you think the eagle came from? I think that it probably was put in place at the time of the book of Numbers. And I would just have to, I'll, I'll see if I can dig and see if there's anything in the scriptures that intimates it, but I don't think there is. I think that we just know that from having been handed down, but I think it originated when they assembled the camp, because this is the assembly of the camp.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And right. It is common. It is common for an eagle to eat a snake. So,
0: yes, it is. And um, the uh, thanks for that, Joe. But it, uh, you derailed me. I'm not. I'm, not yeah. I'm just trying to think of what I was trying about to say. But um, um,
3: you were saying you didn't know where um, the eagle had come from after uh, Dan and Ephra- Ephraim. Right. But what I'm,
0: yeah, what I was thinking because that that triggered me. What I was going to say is it is documented in very early Jewish written work. Okay. I just don't remember where. I don't know if it's from the Apocrypha, which I think it might be, or if it's from later Talmud. But either way, it got written down, transmitted down generationally orally those guys had mammoth memories. The, the, the ancient Jews had mammoth memories. They remembered everything. It's <laughs> so all they did every day was remember, remember, remember. And so, but they had to finally write it down because they got scattered. And when it got written down, that's where it first got documented, okay? But it originated, I believe, when the camp assembled. And that's basically what the literature that does talk about it says, is these are the banners that were over the four camps. Eagle lion, Mm -hmm. bull, and man, okay, and so the earliest document that we have is the book of Revelation. (laughs) He got documented there for sure, (laughs) right? Okay, so I will send this file. Uh, Just send me a note if I don't do it soon. Okay. All right. And you shall put upon the breastplate of judgment. ha'urim. We already did that. All right. You shall make them linen breeches to cover the flesh of their nakedness from the loins, even to the thighs they shall reach. So kolaches are short pants. <laughs> uh that's where the word britches comes from for Southerners, by the way, is yeah. right there. Um, and they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they go into the Moed, or when they come near unto the Mizbeach to minister in the holy place that they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever unto him and unto his seed after him. So that's just the, the underpants that they had to wear under the tunic so that um, they're covered obvious reasons for that, any questions?
6: All right, we'll
0: plod on. You shall minister, you shall do this to them that they minister me in the priest's office, take one young bullock, two grams without blemish, matzot, what is matzot?
3: Unleavened bread.
0: Unleavened bread and cakes unleavened, mingled with oil, Wafers unleavened, spread with oil, of fine wheat flour shall you make them. Put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the holmoid, and shall wash them with water. You will make, take the garments, put upon Aaron the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the breastplate, the band of the ephod. Set the mitre upon his head, the crown upon the mitre. Take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. All right. I want to read verse seven in Hebrew. Take the oil of anointing and pour it out. So that word gets translated as anoint, and it's not false, but it it literally means to douse. And the point that I'm making is is this is. A big old jar full, and I have to pull my hands down smaller than I'm actually trying to show you. Huge jar. We've seen them. Do you, does anybody remember, with honesty, the 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 vials that we saw in the temple?
1: Mm-mm, I don't. Mm-hmm. No.
0: Yeah, significant. <laughs> it's a significant amount of oil that they. I mean, they just poured it on. Them. And you got to remember that oil had spices in it, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful smelling spices.
1: Is that the horn too? What they refer to as the horn?
0: Yes. Okay. That's what. Uh, that is what Shmuel Samuel Samuel used to anoint David was a horn, which would literally be the horn of a ram, made into a cup, basically,
1: right?
0: Filled with oil. But that's also a lot of oil. A ram's horn is huge, right? Whether it be straight or curly, they're huge. They can hold a lot of oil. All right. So the point being is that to anoint someone is to douse them with it. And this is what this is the word that is used in Psalm 23, if I'm not mistaken. Yan Mashachya. Oh, that's that's the wrong thing. Uh let's go look at it.
1: And while you're doing that, it's also somewhere else. I think it said it and it ran down his beard. So, Psalm
0: 133,
1: we're
0: going to look at that too. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, it's not, so this is another word. You have, you have, uh, poured out with oil my head you have covered my head with oil again it gets translated as anointed but it's not my all right Hmm. you have covered my head with oil my cup overflows all right and then psalm 133 is a better picture of what we're talking about i mean the right? That's
1: 33.
6: <laughs>
0: well, that didn't look right. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in perfect unity. I want you Hebrew students to see this. Gam yachad.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Gam yachad.
4: So also, also
0: together. Also one. unified would be a literal translation, but gum is a flexible word. Remember what we just wow. talked about tonight?
4: Yeah. Gum is
0: a flexible word. So here it's 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 adding to the unity. It's it's perfecting, it's magnifying the unity. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. So not just a lackadaisical unity. You all, wait, yeah, we're all together. Um, this is similar to what the concept is when they were assembled in one one accord. That's not a Honda, by the way.
4: Mm. That's
0: perfect <laughs> unity.
1: <laughs>
0: perfect it's, unity. Should have been a Honda. It's magnified unity. It's gam. Gam yachad. It's spiritual unity. It's the unity of anointing. And that's what this psalm goes on and describes. Kashem and Hatov, like the precious oil on the head, descending down upon the beard, the beard of Aaron. Mm -hmm. That descends upon the collar of his garments. We just read about that collar. What is that collar made like? Does anybody remember? We just read the word.
2: It's like a thicker, like embroidered, it's like an epaulette that's...
0: but Yeah, but what was the word that we use? I I started to emphasize it, maybe I should have, but I figured you... I did emphasize it with inflection, but I didn't describe it. I was hoping that when I emphasized it, that someone would ask if you didn't know what it was. Do you remember the word? It's an ancient armor, the collar embroidered like mail m-a-i-l man.
3: oh oh yeah yeah a chain mail
0: of a coat of armor all right the pro- the point being is he wasn't supposed to be able to tear that baby all right there's no room for heartbreak in unity you see what i'm saying
2: right and that, but <laughs> that in the context of how people mourned or how they express grief exactly yeah.
0: Exactly. There's no room for that in the brotherhood. We shouldn't be having to mourn how we treat each other. Cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah. You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I think we talked about them. Yes, it is. Really?
0: All right. Like the dew of Hermon that comes down upon the mountains of Zion, for there Yahweh commanded the blessing. Life for eternity all right so the blessing of the gospel is life for eternity the blessing of messiah of the anointing is life for eternity and it's unity that what you know it can't be me putting it on my heart to pray for unity in the body of messiah worldwide i beg him for it you know and and it's it's almost like the more i'm begging for it, the less i see of it But I think really what he's doing, he's unifying the body, but the body is smaller than the world thinks.
5: Mm -hmm. I agree.
0: He's unifying his body, but it's a tiny body in in regard to, in comparison to the world. You know, the the priest is one man out of six million. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Yeah. So, and and I think that's who... That is who gets to particip- participate in the Natsal as one body. Not all these many, you know, all these churches over here that are vying to protect their man-made doctrine. Yeah. You know, it's one group of people who are following Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's us alone. I'm saying it's a small number. They're out there. We just got to find them. Joe.
5: Well, see, so we can qualify that with, yeah, there's one body, but there's lots of believers, but scripture says even the demons believe. So Exactly. Are they the body?
0: No. Exactly. So um, and we can't point the finger and say who's who. And I don't like to use a broad brush and condemn every Christian. Um and, and I, I I try to reiterate over and over there are lots of believers out there that don't walk white, like we walk but they are believers and they're saved and they have his spirit um, and they're some of them are actually are part of his body a lot of them are part of his body right but a big huge chunk of them are not in my opinion Questions or thoughts
2: Well I keep thinking that um body uh noah was eight people out of millions <laughs> so that was the body at that time
0: out of well, out of billions yeah um y'all yeah, want to go there i don't know if i told y'all mm-hmm. i had that spreadsheet that Doug made
3: oh do you? oh do you oh, let's
1: see let's go i have it let's go <laughs>
5: I know you were talking about getting it again. I didn't know you actually had it.
1: I had it.
6: I just had to
0: find it. (laughs) It might be in here. Let me look. Yep. There it is right there. So just to give you, you and listeners background information, hopefully it'll work because this spreadsheet is 20 years old. (laughs) I don't know if it'll carry into my Mac version of Excel but uh he had it last time we talked about this i sent him a message and he said yeah i've got it let me find it um hopefully it'll open up so what this is just so you know is a calculation that i had him do um adam was created at year zero he was 130 years old when he had seth seth is the 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 messianic line, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Seth was 105 years old, I think, when he had Enosh. And it goes on and on. And so, then he does some step-throughs in lineage. You can see all of that right here. Their ages when they die. Mm -hmm. You See all of that?
4: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. And then the master calculation. So, I would have to play with the numbers, but he's calculating. I think like sixteen length of generation, a hundred years. I don't know what ALE is. I'll have to ask him. But in these in these numbers is a number of kids per man and wife for as long as they might be bearing children. And we have he had parameters. Do you see his formula up here? Yeah. And those parameters are. I, I, I'm I'm not the engineer who did this. you you right so i could get him on the phone but we could massage the numbers but when he did this and and i this man is brilliant okay i called him up he runs an oil company now up in dallas i don't know the name of it but it's a small oil company that he's the chief executive of now but this was 20 some odd years ago and i called him and i said hey doug can you can you do this math? And I explained to him what I wanted. He said, oh yeah, this is just a blah, blah, blah. And he named the formula. I was like, I don't know what that means, but yeah. If,
4: <laughs> you know,
0: I think that might be what we're looking at right here. I don't know, but there's the math, you know? And so he called me and he said, Daniel, this can't possibly be.
2: Uh, I'm sitting here thinking the same
0: thing. the number, can you blow that up?
1: $24 billion. 24, yeah,
0: 24 billion and I don't know what parameters he left it at
2: it would depend on what he assumed was the number of children yes yes
0: and and that's that's here you know length of generation 100 years I don't know what ALE is but he's got it set at 500 x is the no- average number of generations alive Antediluvian, this is before the flood. He's got all the numbers here, but I'm not the one that can play with them. I'm gonna have to get him to teach me about it. But so he had me on the phone and I said, okay, well, let's be generous and let's bump it down. Let's say they only had this many kids. And the smallest number we could get was 8 billion. Billion. The smallest smallest number we could get of pre-flood people alive at the flood was 8 billion.
5: And what's the current population now?
0: Eight billion.
4: Oh, what's well, oh, ima-
5: oh wow! Imagine that. Even Imagine if it, it 8 is eight billion Noah. then, and because they said it will be like the days of Noah, eight billion yeah. then we're about eight billion now. <clears throat> that brings it home a little closer.
0: Exactly.
2: Is it mm-hmm. eight billion now?
0: Huh?
2: Is it eight billion now? We're
0: the- getting close to that. Wow. We're right at eight billion. I mean, we can wow. do a Google thing and see.
1: So, can ALE stand for average life expectancy? Probably. Uh, oh, Probably. oh yeah, yeah.
5: Probably. Good job, Eva. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: What was I? What was I going to look for? Mm-hmm.
1: You was looking for a squirrel. Of
0: those.
6: Squirrel. <laughs> 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 I always say shiny, something shiny. <laughs> right now 7.97 billion so
5: we're right at eight, uh, right at eight.
0: yeah now oh. here, here's the kicker i told this to another genius friend i have that, you, that i have that you guys have also heard about in times past he was the first guy to ever teach me to feast about 30 years ago 29 years ago Wow. Um, <laughs> I shared this information with him, and he said, "Oh yeah, uh, Henry Morris, Doctor Henry Morris, did that same exercise and came up with the same numbers." Dan, really? Oh,
4: no.
6: Wow.
0: He came up with a same, a very similar window, minimum of minimum of eight billion, maximum of like thirty billion.
6: Holy.
0: Cow. So. And Doug's concern was, as an engineer, Doug is this brilliant engineer, and his concern was, where do all these people live? We we've got we got eight million people on eight billion people on the Earth right now. Back to, at the time, it was seven billion. Uh, we've got seven billion people on the Earth right now. Where would they live? And I said, Doug, this is pre-flood. The Earth was right. different. There was a lot more landmass. Half of the oceans mm-hmm. were in the heavens.
1: Right. right. That's right.
0: Things mm-hmm. changed. Mountains were formed, mm-hmm. canyons were formed, lakes, yeah. and rivers were reformed.
5: So climates are changed.
0: Climate was changed. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's entirely possible that that that, that there were twenty four billion people on the Earth, but at a minimum eight billion, and we're only just now back there.
5: Okay, now, so that's a scary thought because if it was eight. If it was eight, then we're eight now. If that holds true, what was it? Six people left during the flood? Eight people. <laughs> eight people?
4: Eight,
0: eight, eight people. people. That's yes. awful scary. That's that's why we did the exercise again, because that is a tiny, tiny number. I and believe the number is cool. more generous.
2: Cool. I'm always amazed when people talk about the Natal and the end times and the number of people they think are going to. Yeah. And I keep the, that word in my head, is just like remnant. It's yeah. just a remnant.
5: The majority of the world thinks it's going to be a very small remnant of people actually left.
2: Oh, let, Yeah, I, I, right. I think that's right, the way you put that, Joe. Correct. They think there's going to be very few people left.
5: Right. Yeah, no. It's, it's, so it's they, they think the majority will be taken.
2: Yeah.
0: They think every Christian will be taken, yes. and that is the majority of the Earth's population. Right. Do you realize that Christianity is still the biggest religion.
2: Is it Islam? Yes. yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. When you consider South America, which is ninety percent Christian, oh, stop it. And you know, a big swath <laughs> of Europe, a uh, big chunk of Africa, uh, the United States. Yeah, the majority population is Christian still. And so people that think that all of Christianity is going to go, they don't know their Bible. It's a small number. Um, And so that's what we're seeing in this anointing. Okay. You should take the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with your finger, pour out the oil at the, at the base of the altar. All right, so what we're talking about, all of this killing of these animals goes on down there at that bottom left corner of my screen where the where the wash basin is right in front of the altar. That's where all of this is going on. So they're gonna do a bullock and then they're gonna take a ram and Aaron and his sons are gonna lay the head, their hands on the ram they're going to perform smicha, right? Mm-hmm. And you remember from Tehillat hadavar, the basics, the elementary principles of the word that smicha we're all supposed to understand, and that is the laying on of hands. And of mm-hmm. course, everybody today is victims of charismatic laying on of hands, where you know they've gotten to where they slap people with their jackets and and you know and shun and blow on them and and, yeah and it's all poppycock um the laying on of hands is for in this context the smicha is the transference of sin off of the supplicant the person bringing the offering onto the ram. and in this case in specific it's Aaron and his sons doing that to atone for themselves they're transferring their iniquity their sin Onto that animal who then dies in their place. So, this is the picture of a substitutionary sacrifice. Uh, and the method of getting the atonement is through smicha, the laying on of hands. And so, how do we, we can't physically reach out and touch Yeshua and make him our sacrifice, right? Or can we?
3: We can through prayer.
0: We pray. We call on his name. We, we, we cleave to him mm-hmm. with our soul, our spirit, right?
5: We confess him.
0: We confess it. That's right. Yes. And that's what we're doing is is that is a spiritual performance of smicha, the, the leaning upon. That's what smicha means is to lean upon. All right. Cut it into pieces, wash its inwards, its legs. Make it smoke upon the altar. It is a burnt offering, an olah. An ascent unto Yahweh, a burnt offering ascends, the scent of it, the aroma of it ascends to Yah. There it is right there, a sweet savor, mm-hmm. a carbon of fire unto Yah. So let's look at that. That's verse 18. Tracy always gets excited about this. I do too. It's not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them what it means, Betsy
3: a I, well, I, uh, uh, burnt offering a, a wife instead of ish it says isha which is the same word for wife so it's an offering or wife for Yahweh a,
0: a beautiful smelling wife for Amen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes yeah. all right yeah. so the burnt offering is well,
5: isha was the what's the dual meaning I, I knew isha was wife
0: Isha is wife, and that's the yeah. point that I'm making. So ish, the word there is translated into English in all the translations as fire, and that's not wrong. But the problem is fire is usually ish.
5: Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. All
0: right. Well, now we will we'll get
5: the hay added to it that changes it.
0: Right. Now that Got could it. be, let's look. That could be what's called the construct state, which would be like us putting an apostrophe S on it. Let's look and see if that's the case. I think I've looked this up before and it wasn't. Fire, flame, military, woman, wife, spouse, spelled exactly alike. Do you see that?
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. A military, fire. All right. Now, let's do this.
5: So if you got a wife, you got a ball of fire. Yep. <laughs> the,
0: the plain and simple word for fire, just so you know, I'm not blowing smoke, pardon the pun, is esh.
2: <laughs> esh, not
0: ish. Right, and even the construct fate is just Esh you see that? Yes. So Isha is a special spelling of of the word for fire. Yes,
4: right
0: And it's exactly the same as life. And I can't unsee that, and I don't think it's a coincidence when you consider that the burnt offering only ascends, it doesn't get consumed in that sense.
5: So that's got to in the natural for us to see, like if we were to see a regular fire and see this fire for it to be spelled this differently with the different meanings behind it, it would actually look a lot different from what we consider to be a campfire or a barbecue. Yeah. It would be a totally and, different type of thing.
0: And I think the key, the, the, the distinction that makes it this kind of fire versus just ash is this right here, and that is a sweet, savory aroma. Oh. That's what makes it a different kind of fire. It's because Abba is enjoying the aroma of it.
5: Enjoying the aroma
0: of? Of the ascent, it's an olah, which means to ascend, literally. It, it, to burn means to to saraf or to esh or there's other words for burn, but olah, which means burnt offering, olah means ascend, does it not? Mm-hmm. Yes. Feminine, oh, yeah. That's the feminine version of ole, the person who ascends to read at the bima Right? Yes. So that's the point that I'm making is the bride is ascending here. <laughs> yeah. It's a picture.
5: Well, because you would think a burnt offering burns some meat; it don't smell so good,
0: right? Well, they put some spices on this baby, and it smells good, and it's, it's not burnt like, to it's not burnt to a crisp, probably.
5: But he's he's uh savoring the uh the aroma of his bride to be, his chosen people. I don't know. I'm 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 just digging and thinking out loud because there's a lot in that.
0: Yeah, there is. All right. Saturday. I'm looking for carbon. You guys. Uh. Vehekarta et kol haayil haMizbecha. All right. Somewhere it was called carbon, but you guys know what carbon means. It means to draw near, right?
4: Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Okay, where were we? Sweet savor. There's carbon. It's carbon. Right there. Yeah, I was uh, hoping that oh, that's in verse 25. That's right. That's I was looking in the wrong spot. 25. Well, what the heck?
6: Karban is not in that verse. It does
3: say katat. Yeah.
6: Hmm. Oh, well. All right, let's go further. I'll look into that and see why that's there.
4: Hmm.
6: At some point. Where were we? Twenty-five.
4: Yeah, we went to.
0: You shall consecrate the breast of the tefuna. The tefuna is uh, a wave offering. They hold it up in the air and wave it, um, which is waved and which is heaved up of the ram of consecration, which is Aaron. So all of these offerings are part of the beginning of the messianic service. Okay. Of the priesthood, let me be more specific about that. <clears throat> and the holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him to be anointed in them, to be consecrated in them. Seven days shall the son that is Cohen in his stead put them on, even he who comes in the Oelmoid to minister in the holy place. And you shall take the ram of the consecration and seed its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket at the door of the, of the tent of meeting. And they shall eat those things wherewith atonement was made to satisfy them, to consecrate them. But a stranger shall not eat thereof, because they are holy.
2: What is a heave offering?
0: It's just, they hold it up?
2: That's it. So it's because I was thinking wave offering, but a heave offering is just the same thing. Yeah, only yeah they
0: hold it up. Yeah, it, it's held up and then they eat it. Yeah.
1: That's when we do a Shavuot.
0: Yep. And every day you shall offer the bullock of the Chatat beside the other offerings of atonement and you shall do the purification on the altar. So they're doing this initially and then they're doing some of these every single day. We've talked about that in the droshes this year. You remember all of that? So there are daily offerings going on. What we're talking about is the initial anointing of Aaron and his sons and then he's telling them they're going to do some of these every day. All right, whoever touches the altar shall
6: be holy. Here's
0: the day-by-day continual offering of two lambs. I remember talking about this on a, in a drosh. One in the morning and one at dusk. What time is dusk?
4: It's sundown.
0: Sundown. And the 10th part of fine flour mingled with a fourth part of a hint of beaten oil. The fourth part are a hint of wine for a nesach, which is a, a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at dusk. A sweet savor, a carbon of fire. Let's see if carbon is in that verse. It's Yareach Nichoach. Let's look at 41. Bainha ha'arabayim is dusk. What does that literally mean? Bain ha'arabayim? Son of the, the... Son of the... Not son of. House. It's not house. Oh, bang. It's not bein. It's Bain. Oh, bain. It's Between. Between. Between the evenings. That's dusk. All right. Like the mincha of the morning, you shall do it, you shall make it le, uh, reach nichoach, a sweet savor. So carbon is not in there. So that must be just an inserted word. I might have to look at that.
6: Mm. All right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There I will meet with B'nai Yisrael, the tent of meeting shall be consecrated by my glory, my heaviness, my presence, right? And I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar, Aaron and his sons also, I will consecrate to minister unto me in the Kohen's office. And I will dwell among B'nai Yisrael and be their Elohim, and they shall know that I am Yahweh their Elohim that brought them forth out of the land of Israel that I may dwell among them. I am Yahweh their Elohim. There Elohim. All right, so that's an important phrase on that last part, right? There it is again. We talked about this one last week. Shachanti, what is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 weight of
0: hmm? the
1: settling down, the settling down. Of.
0: Yep, the glory settling down upon. All right, Shachanti betoch bnei Yisrael, I will settle down in the midst of them, the mm-hmm. sons of Israel. And I shall be for them, Elohim.
6: V'yadeu, guys, Hebrew students,
0: what is that? Uh, to know, no. Will know. They will know.
1: They will know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That I am Yahweh their Elohim, who brought them forth from the land of Egypt. There's that settling down again. In the midst of them. All right. So Mm -hmm. let's look at that again. What he's saying is they have, if they perform all of these duties, if they consistently offer these offerings, if they dress in these garments and offer these offerings and do this consistently, then I'm going to be in their midst and I'm going to be their God. And you know, That's what he's saying. And so, why is it any different for the congregation, what most people call the church, which is better said, the the congregation. Why is it any different for the congregation that we shouldn't be doing the same kind of ministry, right? Every day. Yeah.
6: Every day. That's,
0: That's why I pray the daily prayers. Is because... We live in this building spiritually right now. Do we not? Yeah. Obviously not this one depicted on the screen, but the one that God dwells in in heaven is where we minister every day. And I don't understand the physics of it, but we are connected to him. And just like there is a court of nations out here where Gentiles can come and worship God. Yeah, there's other believers outside of this. There's other people outside of this. And then the whole world is out there you know mm-hmm. but we're supposed to go out and come in do you know there's times when the priests actually go out and then come back in who can remember what that what time that is what time of year they actually do that they go out into the byways and highways the priests all of them
4: I've
0: what'd you say joe go huh it's a goat yeah, I kept hearing just goat.
3: <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> goat? Sorry, man. Sukkot. All of the priests leave the temple, go out and collect palm branches and water and mm-hmm. bring them back in. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. that's why we do Sukkot the way we do it. So, so that everybody and their mama can see that we're doing Sukkot.
6: All right, Mellon and I literally, like, can I tell them, Melly?
0: So, we, You know, well, we used to get palm branches from from uh, Janet and Wayne.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they moved. <laughs> and, and before they moved, their palm trees were destroyed by water or the freeze, that big freeze we had. And so last year was the first time Mally and I, in a long time, had to go searching for stuff to put on our sukkah. And so in the summertime, y'all, where do we eat every Sunday?
1: Jason's deli. No. Oh, oh, oh uh, 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 uh the place. The place. Oh, on Sunday?
0: Yeah. I Chewy's.
1: forgot the name of this. Chewy's, Chewy's. right, Chewies. That's gonna say cheese. <laughs> Chewy.
0: We go to Chewy's every, just about every Sunday. And so we drove up one Sunday and I parked way out because we don't like our truck near everybody else's truck. So I parked way out and there's palm trees out there and they're nice, big, heavy palm fronds. And so we went in before Sukkot, about two weeks before Sukkot. And I said, I asked the, our bartender who at the time was a female that we really miss. She, she left Chewy's, but we like our new one as well. We sit at the bar every week and have our Sunday lunch, you know? And uh, so I asked her, I said, this is gonna sound a little funny, but can we have six of those palm branches out there? And she was like, what? (laughs) Uh, And she said, I don't know, let me go ask my manager. So she went and got the manager and brought him over and said, they have a question for you. And I said, can we have six of those palm branches out there? And he said, well, I guess. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
0: and and i told them what it was for and they were curious about it and i handed them our card now nothing ever came of it yet right mm-hmm. but um you know that that's that's what sukkot is for It's for the world it's, it's joy to the world you know mm-hmm. um the birth of yeshua but yeah so they go out all of the priests go out and then come back in on sukkot um and make these make these daily offerings there's more offerings obviously on Sukkot, big ones i don't know if y'all remember that we'll get to it shortly um so that i will dwell in their midst dwell in the midst of them Shachanti betocham, i will dwell in the midst of them yeah all right We've got about 15 minutes. Um, let me see what
6: chapter 30 is and whether or not we want to proceed. I suppose we could do the incense. So, this is talking about the table of incense. All right. I have a picture of that, but it's hard for me to find it for some reason.
0: Um, you shall make an altar to burn incense upon, Mizbeach, an altar to burn incense upon, of acacia wood, a cubit shall be the length, the breadth, and the height of it, the width of it. It's all it's four squares. So it's basically a four-sided altar. Two cubits shall be the height. The horns of it shall be one piece with it. And so if you've ever seen it, and I'm going to try to find the picture of it. It's behind me right now, but I know it's too tiny for you guys to see um, in the picture behind me. You see it right there? No. Y'all don't see what I see?
4: No.
3: no
5: the verse no. is over here on mean. the
0: words in yeah, yeah, your text. text. Oh, okay,
5: okay.
3: It's over oh, your yeah. left shoulder.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's over my this shoulder right here
1: um, <laughs> yeah I st- we see it yeah but it's really small
0: yeah um I'll, I'll try to get that picture available for next week because it's got some other stuff in it too but that's the altar of incense and of course they make a fire upon it to burn incense upon and of course i think we, it seems like we've talked about this already but um uh, there's a lot of repetition in building the in building the the tabernacle. But uh, they've made two staves to carry it just like they did with uh, the ark. Overlay it with gold. Make a crown of gold upon it. So there's crown work around the top of it.
6: Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Golden rings for the crown thereof. Staves of acacia wood overlay with gold. Put it before the parochet. There's the parochet behind my head, that really tall curtain. Mm-hmm. All right. So it sits in front of the curtain, in front of the Ark of the Testimony, before the atonement seat of the testimony, where I will meet with you. Aaron will burn incense of it in sweet spices every morning. When he dresses the lamps, he'll burn it. Mm-hmm. And when Aaron lights the lamps at dusk, he shall burn it, a perpetual incense before Yah, throughout your generations. No strange incense thereon. Nor Allah nor me, you shall pour no nesech thereon. So, no drink offering. No, the only thing that burns on that altar is incense. All right, he'll so, make an atonement on it, on the horns of it, on Yom Kippur. And you see that again over in Leviticus 23 and other parts of Leviticus. For you shall do it throughout your generations. It is holy unto Yah. What you got, Tracy?
1: i was just asking about no strange incense what what would that be considered
0: the wrong ingredients oh, okay so he gives the ingredients for the incense in another place and so the wrong recipe for the incense okay gotcha. don't burn that on there all right so it's very specific it's frankincense and myrrh and i think even i can't remember uh Other spices that go in that incense, and it's kind of similar to the same spices that go into the anointing oil. Yeah, Joe. Well,
5: if we could find those ingredients, would it be wrong for us just to have some of that just in our homes, like?
0: Yes, it would. It would be wrong. It would be wrong. Okay. We're only supposed to make it for the temple. Now, what would not be wrong, and what people do do, is to put some of them together. Oh, I see. So you Good start much. getting a sense of what that smell might be like, but we're not supposed to duplicate that recipe, no.
5: Right, okay, so you don't have the exact rep- re- recipe, but you can have a close approximation.
0: You can get, you can do some of it, yes. Now, the rabbis probably have their version of what that means because they're the ones selling anointing oil out of Israel that has some of those frankincense and myrrh are the two big ones. If you put frank, I like those anyway because that's what Yeshua had.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, frankincense and myrrh together smell wonderful. Has anybody ever smelled it? I've got some frankincense oil. Long yeah. time
1: ago. I yeah, have I have the oil.
0: Melly and I keep a jar of it. I think we still have some, but it smells great. Um, again, you know, we use tiny little sums of it to anoint things around here. But anointing a, a person was a <laughs> I ain't got that kind of money.
5: <laughs> okay, so let me ask you that. That was something I was thinking about earlier. There's a lot of times, and I've done it myself, where we take those anointing oils, the frankincense, the myrrh, whatever that you get. Worst case scenario, we've even taken olive oil because we had nothing else and prayed over it and anointed stuff. But that's, you know, whatever we did back in those days is what we did, right? But um, I guess that's something that is still, I guess, legitimate where we can still do that. Like we can anoint people and things with those oils and I'm just not dousing them with it.
0: Absolutely. Um, if you look in the book of James in chapter five, it says, "Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the congregation, and let them anoint him with oil." And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but the prayer offered in faith will raise him up, and his sins will be forgiven. So James was writing probably to Jewish people but outside of the boundaries of the temple. So yes, it's proper to use oil in congregational settings. Absolutely. Um, Mally and I still do it. Um, we don't do it like we used to do, <laughs> you know? How many of you made little crosses with your oil? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't do that. We pour, we don't, we don't dab, we pour. Um, and if we anoint things, then we just wipe you know yeah, yeah. um or sprinkle take it take and dip it in your fingers and sprinkle that's what it actually says to do there yeah. um so um, but yes, it's proper to do absolutely, and um you know, I can remember. I was slightly more mature when, certainly not, this has been 25 years ago when my brother was struggling uh, and was still around, and we, I went to his house and anointed his house and, and prayed, and he slept harder than he ever had for like a week until he went back into the bars, you know, he lived under the protection, spiritual protection until he violated it, You know, and then his life went right back to the way it was. So, and I say that to say that there is power in it, you know, not to dismiss what Christians do, because even though they have the form of it slightly wrong, a lot of them are doing it with good intent and the right heart and the right purpose. And God honors it. I've seen him honor it. Anybody else? Oh yeah. Absolutely. So why wouldn't he honor it for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can't get haughty about the fact that we're doing it differently and better. You know, I do want to be more accurate in it and because I want to be more successful at having the faith to do it more often and not wondering if it's going to succeed, but knowing it is knowing that it's going to do exactly the will of God, you know? Uh,
6: So yeah, it's proper to do. Absolutely. Anything else?
0: I don't want to go any further tonight. Anybody got any questions they want to ask or rabbit trails you want to run down?
3: Oh, I'm sure we do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got eight minutes.
5: Start tracking them down, Betsy.
3: Well, I liked liked what you said a moment ago or what you read, I should say, where it seemed like Abba was saying, do these things, and then I am going to take uh, I don't. I can't quite remember it, but like I will take care of you, or um, something along those lines. Do you recall?
0: Well, yeah. He said he's going to be in their midst.
3: Okay, there you
0: go. He's going to be in their midst. I will dwell among B'nai Israel and be their Elohim. Dwell is shachan, so settle down in among them is but betocham, which means in their midst, in the middle of them. All right. What did Yeshua say when two or more gathered together in His name? Mm. I'm with you. So I'll be in the midst of them. I will be in yeah. the midst. It's, of them. it's not just hey
3: I'll be there.
0: It's <laughs> I'm gonna be right in the big middle. I'm gonna be the it, center of attention.
3: Is that almost like too what you were saying about how um, you know we're 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 hoping for unity, God, that we're meeting in the heavenly through our prayers by yeshua that in, this, in the sense of him being with us is could just kind of like being we're with him it's both
0: well absolutely uh, i mean we can assemble if we don't do it according to his ways he's not showing up you know that's you know and i hate to bring it up but it's it's the best example of it that's why i walked out that's why i walked out god was not there he was not there And y'all know what I'm talking about. Roger. If we're not behaving the way he wants us to behave, he's not gonna be there. Yeah. If we're behaving the way he wants us to behave, it is a promise. He will be there. And that's you know, that's what I'm pushing for and praying for is that when we go in our doors and assemble as a congregation that we are so well-behaved that Yeshua is the first one to show up. You know, that, that he meets people's needs, that he reveals himself to strangers that might come in, that he mends people's hearts, that he causes people to, to be able to, to want the, the power from him to put down their issues, whatever it is, alcoholism, sexual problems, you mm-hmm. know, drug addiction, whatever it is that they, that they, that they get it when they're there. And they can, we just have to be right, you know, and the congregations are not doing that because people of faith struggle with the same dadgum issues as worldly people do. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. And some of them don't even struggle with them. They just live in them and are content to do so. You know what I'm saying?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, we we people are lied to that it doesn't really matter what they exactly. do but it, I mean like think about a family a family unit if the kids are jumping on the sofas and throwing food on the walls and acting crazy mom and daddy send those kids to their room uh, we understand that but and we understand when children are being good and they're playing with their toys or they're reading their book and they're talking kindly to one another everyone can dwell together and somehow we can't make that jump between our Abba and heaven and our behavior towards one another, that we mm. should dwell peaceably and well and in proper order, so that we can all be unified. And, I mean, to me, it seems obvious, but it was certainly not an understanding I was ever taught. Um, I've learned it through like lessons today, where Alma makes it clear what he he expects certain things from us, and it to some to, to, we were almost taught to think God doesn't expect anything of you it doesn't matter to him all all that matters is you know the 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 death burial and resurrection of yeshua and that is the ultimate thing everything in the whole universe turns on that but he wants more from us and it's sad that we haven't known because it's a joy to to operate on whatever little bit you get it's such a joy to be able to, to 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 seek and try to be obedient
0: Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, the, the main thing is, in my mind, is our obedience declares Yeshua to the world. Yes. Our obedience declares righteousness, the glory of the gospel to the world. Um, it's, it's the obedient who are honored before God. You know, it's just like you said, if you have disobedient children, you know, I'll I'll just go ahead and say it. Shelby won't mind. She knows it's true. You know, she got to the point where she was just contentious at Shabbat. And I finally told her, don't come down because we had a two story house. I said, don't come down. And that that provoked her more than anything. To want to be at the Sabbath table, whereas before she was fighting being there. You know. Mm -hmm. and. And it's the same, it's the same way. If 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 you don't go to the sanctuary, the, the inner sanctuary in the Natsal, you're going to want to be there, right? Oh,
6: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: At the next opportunity, you're going to want to be there. Am I right? I oh, yeah. Yeah. am. That, unfortunately, that's where a lot of believers are, is they're going to get sent to their room on earth. <laughs> <You know? laughs> don't come to the Sabbath table if you're messing, you know, if you're just cantankerous. You
5: know what you got, Joe? Uh, three things. One, when Tracy raised her hand, she was able to put a black paw up there. I got oh. a yellow Homer Simpson one. That's weird. <laughs> 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 uh, that's, that's like well, I got a Homer Simpson hand. But, <laughs> <yellow> hand. <laughs> but, but, uh. but number number two is uh uh what you were saying, Betsy is like I've always told people that if you can. People say they can't understand the relationship with us and God. If you can put that all together in the sense of like a, of a human family, then you can understand concepts a whole lot easier. When I explain godly things to people, I always try to bring it into a family-type atmosphere. So I think that's pretty well spot on. But the third thing is, I never really thought to explain it this way, Danny, like you just said. But we keep talking about our confession of Yeshua. And they say actions speak louder than words. And whenever you said that right there, that what we do is our confession of him. Our
6: declaration.
5: At, our declaration. Yeah, you said you said declaration, but that our actions being our declaration, that is, by how we act, is a louder confession than what we could ever say with our mouths. That's pretty, that's pretty profound right there. That's a good way to put some of that stuff to get people to understand, I think.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's why I do everything I do. I mean, I've, I've I had a kid ask me just today, what, why do you wear that thing on your head? You know, and they're expecting some religious reason. And I told them, I said, I believe in God. And I acknowledge, it reminds me that he's above me and that I have a crown waiting for me. And I want that crown. I don't want You try to take my keeper, we're going to talk. Uh-huh. I want my crown in eternity, you know, and it gives me, and, and I move on, you know, um, but, you know, that's why we're at CTO. That's, that's why I do the thing. That's why I worship on the Sabbath. Yeah. I know the whole blinking world works on worships on Sunday, but God's word says to worship on the Sabbath. And my alignment with his word glorifies Yeshua. I am reflecting Yeshua by worshiping on the Sabbath because Yeshua worshiped on the Sabbath. I I become a reflection of him and not religion. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing it because Jewish people do. I'm doing it because one Jew did. You know? Amen. Amen. Exactly
5: right. That's a good way to put it. I'm not doing it because the Jews do it. I do it because one Jew did. I got to remember that.
3: Yeah that There's reminds more. me of you saying how uh when yeshua told his uh follow his disciples or his talmudim to uh follow him you you explained he meant like follow what i do like absolutely. be like me
0: absolutely that's the primary thing good spot to end avina malcana with the name of your son yahweh yeshua mashiach we do give thanks for your word we ask you to correct our error. Um, we uh, trust you to teach us in your ways and in your truth, and we ask you to be with us for the remainder of this week and for with all of our congregants. We thank you for the things that we get to rejoice in and praise you for that have happened that you have done this week, uh, reminding us that you are watching over us and hearing our prayers. We thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And we glorify your son, Yeshua, for it. We ask you to be with us, Yeshua, when we assemble on Shabbat.
1: Yeshua Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Thank the of
6: everyone.
0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Nikdash Mayot ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.